Welcome to the Why on Earth Community Stewardship and Sustainability podcast series. Today, we have the opportunity to visit with Thea Maria Carlson. Hi, Thea. Hi. How you doing? I'm doing well today. Beautiful afternoon here. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, Thea is Executive Director of the Biodynamic Association, bringing vitality and renewal to the food system through regenerative agriculture. She is a leader, facilitator, educator, and farmer dedicated to building living soil, growing nutritious food, and nurturing vibrant communities. She lives in the Mayacamas Mountains in Sonoma County, California, on land originally stewarded by Lake Miwok, Pomo, and Wapo people. Since 2011, Thea has played a key role in developing the Biodynamic Association's programs and exploring new ways to manage and evolve the organization. Her previous experience includes diversified organic and biodynamic production farming, teaching gardening, nutrition, and beekeeping, designing, building, and managing urban community and educational gardens, and organizing strategic communications trainings for nonprofit leaders. Thea holds a Bachelor of Science in Earth Systems from Stanford University and a Permaculture Design Certificate from Occidental Arts and Ecology Center. She is also a graduate of the Coaching Fellowship and the Center for Courage and Renewals Academy for Leaders. Thea, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to have this opportunity to dive into the realm of biodynamics with you today and to talk about some really exciting ways that our audience can engage in a huge event coming up in November that hopefully lots of folks will be able to join us at in uh, upstate New York. Um, and before we get into all that, I want to ask you, why is biodynamics important to you personally? Biodynamics is important to me personally for a lot of reasons, but I think one of the things that is most important to me about it is it offers a positive pathway for me to be in relationship with the earth and contributing to a positive future for the planet and everyone and everything that lives on it. I, I really see, you know, I came as you read in my bio, I studied earth systems in college and came from this, you know, environmental stewardship lens. Um, but so much of what I was learning in college was just like, here are all the terrible things we've been doing. And biodynamics really offers, uh, I feel, a way to constantly deepen and learn and find ways to contribute to healing and um, renewal and vitality um, for myself and my community and the earth. Now, I know that uh, a lot of our audience, in fact, a growing uh, number of folks in our audience are familiar with biodynamics, and, and this is part of the work we're doing in our community mobilization efforts through the Why on Earth community. That said, I imagine some of our audience may be new to biodynamics, and so I was hoping you might be able to explain for those of us not yet familiar, what, what is biodynamics? What are we talking about? Yeah, absolutely. So, so biodynamics is a holistic and ecological and ethical approach 
to agriculture and land stewardship. And that's everything from your small backyard garden to um, managing land that's thousands of acres. And it's practiced all over the world. It started in Europe in the 1920s um, and has been brought to every continent. It can be practiced in every climate and every scale. And it's really based on this idea of nurturing each farm or garden as a living organism and creating a self-sustaining whole um, that generates abundance for um, the people and also helps to um, bring health and healing to the land. So each farm and garden as a living organism, uh, I know that that can mean that the uh, compost pile has a particular function similar to an organ in our body having a mm -hmm. particular function. Can you, can you expand on that and just kind of unpack what that means for you at, at your location with your farm? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so one of the things we actually talk about is, is the farm individuality, which, you know, it, farm can be defined in different ways. So it's like every, every piece of land that we're in relationship to has a unique way that it wants to express itself in the world. And our job as farmers and gardeners and land stewards is to listen to what does that want to be and co-create that with the land. Um, so where I live, I live on 400 acres that's an intentional community. So I'm co-stewarding land with 30 people. Um, and we're each you know, contributing different parts to that land. But the, the core of our kind of gardening farming activities is about 13 acres of that land. Um, the rest is mostly forested, um, but we're stewarding the whole thing as a whole. So we have goats in there um, eating branches from the trees that are outside the pasture. And then um, we have their bedding and manure goes into the compost, which then um, after it's composted goes onto our vegetable bed. So we're really working to integrate all the different elements, um, the forest, the water, we're doing a lot with water management, um, trying to be <clears throat> as self-sufficient as possible. We are self-sufficient, you know, within the hydrological cycle on water, um, but really paying attention to how much water we are using is that um, the amount of water that the land wants to give us and how do we um, both uh, find ways that we can capture more water that's coming out of the sky and then we can use that more efficiently. Um, so the, the nutrient cycles, the water cycles, all of that we're trying to um, integrate into a whole that, that is self-sustaining where we're minimizing what we need to bring in from the outside in order to grow our food. That's so beautiful. I, I want to visit sometime. It sounds wonderful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I know, you know, in, in my studies on Rudolf Steiner, who first articulated and promulgated the biodynamics, biodynamic approaches to farming and land stewardship, I was really struck to learn that he had done a very deep and intensive study on, on human anatomy before um, talking about the, the biodynamic side of things with farming and soil, etc. And um, yeah, I, I just I love that there's this specific mapping between the human organs and the different locations and localities of a farm landscape. Mm -hmm. And um, compost itself is is in a sense really a central organ to the entire functioning of the place, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I, there's an image that Steiner gave in the agriculture course. I mean, he was very much a Renaissance man, and so. And the agriculture course was one of the last things he did. So he'd already done work in medicine and education um, and in the sciences. And he also did 
um, quite a bit of study of medicinal herbs as well as the human body. So all of that is brought up to biodynamics. Um, but yeah, so the, the compost is just this amazing um, tool for, uh, I would say it's, it's kind of like a living alchemical process that you're creating with the compost. Um, and the compost itself can even be seen as a living being, just as like, as we understand more and more in our bodies, there's all these all these different <laughs> life forms that make up our body. It's not just like one organism, you know, our mitochondria are kind of in some ways they're their own organism. So it's, it's the same within a farmer garden organism. And so it's how do we create a compost pile that's not just like a bunch of stuff thrown together, but it's actually a being. Um, and the biodynamic preparations, which we um, put into the compost pile and also around the compost pile, those help create that compost into a living entity. So we're taking our plant residues, our animal manures, anything that um, was living but isn't no longer useful in this current form, we're taking that and transforming it into this wonderful um, medicine and fertility for the land. It's so beautiful. You know, it, it, I'm, uh, I can't help but smiling hearing you articulate this because one of the deep senses I have as I get more engaged with biodynamics in particular is that it as a, as a field, as a discipline, as a practice uh, has incorporated into it so many different realms of knowledge areas of technical expertise, etc. For, for instance, the integration of the herbal medicine piece. And it strikes me that as we get more and more, tuned in to what's actually happening in the biology of a biodynamic compost pile, a biodynamic farm or property, place, location. Uh, it also gives us great insights into taking even better care of our own bodies. And one of the things that's going on is we've got this microbiome, right? These communities of trillions, countless little tiny organisms in the compost, in the soil, in our bodies, in our uh, skull cavities, affecting essentially our reality and experience of reality in a, in a very literal sense. And I, I just, I, I haven't encountered another system that seems to make those connections and suggest uh, the, the opportunities that are there to really work co-creatively with natural forces to enhance life and vitality. And it seems that's what yeah. you're up to. Absolutely. Yeah, I think there's, there's, it touches on so many things and, and can be, I think, integrated with a lot of the other um, streams of knowledge and practice that um, each of us are having. I mean, um, one of the things that, in addition to what you mentioned, I think also there's more and more people who are interested in meditation and contemplative practice and biodynamics incorporates that as well. Um, so I think there's there's so many different areas that it touches on from yeah the microbiome and the scientific realm to the meditation more spiritual realm. Absolutely. Well, I can't help but notice that you have a very beautiful backdrop uh, today as we're recording this and I see up on your on your bookshelf there that you have a poster with a dandelion plant uh, in that kind of classical uh, botany uh, way of conveying visually some of the different stages of the flowering and seeding and so forth and of course dandelions are one of the very special 
plants that Rudolf Steiner talks about and that it are, are utilized in making certain uh, preparations. And I was hoping you might just share with our audience as, as a way to kind of indicate and gesture toward all these different preparations, um, mm -hmm. what, what we end up doing with dandelion and how we incorporate that into the land medicine that we're working with. Sure, yeah, dandelion is an amazing plant and it's it's so interesting, especially in this country because it's such a maligned plant also, yeah. you know. There's a whole book that I was reading that we had in our office at the Biodynamic Association when I was working in Milwaukee, all about the dandelion and how there were so many um, immigrants from Europe who the only seed that they brought were dandelion seeds because it was a food and a medicine. Um, and now people, you know, spray roundup most of the places and um you know it's it's coming around people are starting to recognize its value when i lived in chicago um the parks stopped spraying the dandelions and realized that they were something that was beneficial for the bees at least um but yeah it's it's just an amazing plant i think for our um our human purposes you can eat pretty much every part of the plant make tea out of the roots i love dandelion leaves in um in cooking they're definitely bitter but they're so you know the liver is the thing that we really talk about in terms of dandelion and its um, benefits for the human body and the liver connects to of course everything else um and in in the compost pile um the dandelion is one of six medicinal herbs that we use in the compost pile the others are yarrow chamomile valerian oak bark um, and sting nettle. And so each of these um, medicinal herbs, all of which have um, beneficial properties for humans, they have particular qualities that they um, bring to the compost pile and to the soil and the plants that are receiving that compost. Um, so, so the dandelion um, is the way that it's prepared is it's um, put into the mesentery of a, a domestic animal, usually a cow, and fermented um, in in the earth over the winter months um, and what you get out of that is this amazing substance that's um, it's kind of a catalyst and a messenger for the compost so we're only putting you know a teaspoon of that um, fermented dandelion preparation into the compost and then it's it's helping infuse the qualities of the dandelion into the whole compost pile synergistically with those other six medicinal herbs um, and then when you put the compost on the soil that's helping to balance how the plants interact with the soil and the nutrients and also how how they all are interacting with the wider cosmos absolutely love it thank you for explaining that it's just it's so exciting and so beautiful yeah and you can really get deep into it i mean in terms of each of the each of the medicinal plants that are in the compost preparations also has a relationship to the certain planets. And um, there's, there's just all these different things you can really delve into. We had a whole webinar a couple of years ago just on yarrow and the yarrow preparation, 90 minutes. We just scratched the surface of it. <laughs> yeah, I love yarrow. It's one of my favorites. It grows very abundantly up here in the Rocky Mountains where I'm located. And nice. uh, definitely a favorite. Um, and I, I want to mention that for our audience, there are, there are two really great ways that folks can connect with your organization, the Biodynamic Association, and uh, learn more about this and essentially cultivate these skills and knowledge that they can take back to their own homes, their own farms, their own communities. And one of those is to join as, as a member the 
Biodynamic Association, and the other is to attend the conference that's being held in Lake George, New York, in November. And um, can you can you tell us about each of those opportunities and what that looks like and what folks need to do? Right, absolutely. Um, so yeah, the Biodynamic Association, we are a membership association. We've been a membership association since we were founded in 1938. And we're open to anyone who wants to join. So whether you're already practicing biodynamics or this is the first time you heard of it, um, if you want to learn more, if you want to be part of this community, we welcome you to join. So you just go to our website, biodynamics.com. Right at the top, there's a join renew button that'll um, show you um, the options for membership. And one of the things we did last year is we um, developed a new um, range of membership levels so that people can join at any level between $5 and $2,500 a year. Um, and if we wanted to fund everything that the Biodynamic Association does just with membership dues, we'd need each member to join at about a $500 level. Um, but we know that isn't affordable for everyone. So we have created the sliding scale with um, trusting that those who can afford a larger uh, contribution as membership will do so. And those who don't have the financial resources, they'll contribute what they can and also be part of our community and contributing in other ways besides financial. Um, so yeah, we have about 1,700 members now. We're really excited to be moving towards the 2,000, the 2000 member level. Um, so yeah, that would be wonderful to have folks join um, and be part of the community. And when you join with membership, that gives you access to our journal, which is published quarterly, which has a lot of articles, also gives you discounts on our webinars and online courses and the conference in November. So we have an annual North American Biodynamic Conference. Um, we, it had been every two years and we just shifted to do it every year because there's been so much interest and demand for um, learning about biodynamics and connecting to others in the biodynamic community. So this year it'll be in Lake George, New York, November 20th to 24th. And um, registration is already open. Um, the early bird rates are um, good until mid-September and um, we also have scholarships available, so if there's folks here who um, the registration fee would be an impediment, please go ahead and apply for a scholarship. And similarly, if you have the resources and can contribute towards a scholarship, that really helps bring other folks to the conference. We had over 100 people come to the conference on scholarship last year, so we're hoping um, to be able to do that again this year. That's wonderful. About how many folks are you expecting this year at the conference? Well, last year when we were in Portland, we had 900 people at the conference, um, Portland, Oregon. And so in upstate New York, um, we could have um, about the same amount. We could have more, we could have less, we'll see. Um, but yeah, we've, we've generally seen uh, between the seven to 900 um, person level and we could hit a thousand people if we have a lot of folks who wanna come. I'm so excited. I'm really excited that uh, the Wine Earth community has been invited to participate this year. I'll be there and uh, just can't wait to connect with so many folks in person who are uh, helping to promulgate and spread this kind of healing work uh, throughout our society. Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited about what you're bringing. One of the things that we're doing this year for the first time is these three-day workshops where, where the same group of folks will meet um, three mornings in a row to really delve into a specific topic. And then we, of course, we have keynotes, we have breakout workshops where you can choose, but I think that's really gonna build some um, continuity and connection and and the 
theme of our conference this year is cultivating relationships, earth, cosmos, and communities. So um, that's really gonna, um, I think, support that. And then we also will have field days to visit local farms. So we'll definitely be getting outside and, and getting to see biodynamics in action for folks who are interested in that, as well as your kind of more traditional, everyone getting together at a conference. And the location of the conference is also amazing. It's on an island in Lake George. And so we have a whole biodynamic island for five days. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be wonderful. Well, I want to ask, um, how did you get into all of this? What, what was your personal pathway into this realm? Well, like I said, when I was in college, I was interested in something environmentally related. And um, I went to the Brazilian Amazon for a study abroad program with the School for International Training. And while I was, I went there thinking about, you know, how do you save the rainforest? And then I got there and I was like, oh, people are cutting down the rainforest to grow food. Um, so if we don't have a way to grow food that regenerates the earth instead of degrading it, um, then I can, you know, be my American waving my save the rainforest sign, but people need to eat. And so that was what really um, inspired in me this idea of like, how can we grow food in a way that's actually beneficial to people on the earth? And I came back and um, as I was finishing college, found, you know, the classes that were related to agriculture um, at Stanford, things like soil science and plant ecology and botany. And then I, um, the summer before my last year of college, I found a farm to apprentice on to get some hands-on experience. And I landed on a biodynamic farm in Northern California. Mm -hmm. And so that was my first um, connection to biodynamics was working with my mentor um, every day. We were probably working 12, 14, 16 hour days. And he would just talk to me all day about all sorts of things, including biodynamics. Um, and then it took, it took me um, a while before I was really that um, struck me as the thing I wanted to pursue. I also did a permaculture design certificate, as you mentioned in my bio. Um, I did kind of school in urban community gardens. Um, and then seven years after my first farm apprenticeship, I went and worked on another farm that wasn't a biodynamic farm. And I started to feel like there seems like there's something missing here that I thought was just kind of like a farm, but it actually had to do with being on a biodynamic farm. Um, and um, it was, yeah, just kind of like a quality that I couldn't quite put my finger on. And then midway through this season on that second farm, we bought in some compost that came from a biodynamic farm and we put the compost on the fields. And I was like, oh, it was just like the vegetables came alive and the soil came alive in a way that wasn't there before. And so that was when I was, okay, I really need to dedicate myself to biodynamics and learning more about it. And um, shortly after that was when I started working with biodynamic association. It's, it's amazing. You know, it, it, to me, it's uh, <laughs> a delight and, and a bit sometimes mystifying to attempt to convey to folks not yet familiar with biodynamics just how potent biodynamics can be. And, and recently, just within the last few weeks, um, some friends here in the Boulder area at this place called the Highland City Club, which is becoming one of our Why on Earth hubs here in Colorado, uh, has on the property probably one of the oldest oak trees in the town of Boulder. And it's been struggling. It's been dropping a lot of leaves, having some issues. And so I uh, got in touch with Pat Frazier, one of the practitioners here in Colorado, asked her what she thought we might do for it. And we did an application, actually two, one in the evening, one the early the following morning. 
And within two days, the owner and proprietor of the, of the place was absolutely astonished. He had noticed already the tree responding and not dropping nearly as many leaves. And, this is, and he's a very skeptical kind of, uh, I don't want to say typical, but perhaps traditional Western science skeptic kind of orientation in his thinking. And uh, it's, it's just, it's remarkable to see folks empirically experience how potent biodynamics can be. And I've seen this many times with folks applying the soil activation barrel compost preparations to their yards and seeing what that does in terms of the soil just becoming incredibly rich, dark, populations of earthworms noticeably increasing, etc. And um, I'm, not, I'm, I'm curious if you've uh, developed any tools or, or languaging that helps you explain to folks who aren't yet familiar just how effective and potent this can be. Yeah, um, it's it's definitely one of those challenges because I it, it's you know is it there's the like picture is worth a thousand words, but what about actually walking out a biodynamic farm? Like you can't put that experience quite into words, and I think there is there is no substitute for actually experiencing biodynamics in action, um, but there are ways that we can describe it. And one of the things that we've been working on, and that's been kind of a pet project of mine for the past couple of years, is finding accessible and, um, yeah, really vibrant language to talk about biodynamics. So on our website, we have a page, I think I sent you the link, Biodynamic Principles and Practices, um, where we, um, and we also have a print version of that, of just kind of outlining, here's what it is, and here's the wonderful things it can do, including things where there are scientific studies that are showing this is the effects that biodynamics has. Um, and I feel like science is, is in such an exciting state of evolution right now, where there's, there's things that can be measured now that weren't measured a year ago. And so I think there's, there's so much of that science that is catching up to what Rudolf Steiner was talking about almost 100 years ago. <laughs> it's really amazing. Yeah, it sometimes makes me have to sort of slip into joke mode and, and acknowledge that it turns out some of our mythology, some of our quote-unquote fictitious uh, stories are perhaps more spot-on than we previously thought. For example, in Star Wars, talking about life force and midi-chlorines and these microorganisms that have special abilities and powers and so forth, it turns out that may in fact be what's happening in reality here on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, to me, it's, you know, because I, I had a pretty conventional scientific training, um, like finding that place of intersection between like learning more and more empirically, but also being open to all the stuff that we still don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, let me uh, take a minute here to remind our audience that this is the Why on Earth Communities Stewardship and Sustainability podcast series. And Today, we are speaking with the executive director of the Biodynamic Association, Thea Maria Carlson. Uh, to get information uh, about the biodynamics work being done uh, in general, you can go to biodynamics.com. I'll have the spelling and uh, the links in our show notes. And um, to get more information on the biodynamic conference, uh, that we've been talking about in November. You can go to biodynamics.com conference. And um, the principles and practices that Thea just mentioned can be found at biodynamics.com slash biodynamic-principles-and-practices. 
and um, there are webinars uh, when you go to dash, uh, slash webinars and uh, research references, etc. We'll put all this uh, in the show notes. You can also connect with Thea and the Biodynamic Association team on Facebook. Uh, it's Biodynamics. On Instagram, it's BiodynamicsBDA. And on Twitter, it's Biodynamic without the S. Um, and I also want to take the opportunity here to encourage our audience, if you haven't already, to please uh, consider uh, joining our monthly giving program for the Why on Earth community. This helps support our podcast as well as our community mobilization and soil stewardship work that we're doing all across the country as well as internationally. And, and like uh, your membership with the BDA, you can join the Why on Earth monthly giving program at any level that works for you. And uh, when you do that, I'll also make sure you get an email with a special code so you can download uh, free copies of our ebook and audiobook resources. In fact, you can share the code with some of your friends so that they can get those resources as well. And uh, many thanks to our existing monthly giving members. And also thanks to the uh, companies and organizations who sponsor our work. These include Earth Coast Productions, Madeira Outdoor, Patagonia, the Lidge Family Foundation, the International Society of Sustainability Professionals, the Association of Waldorf Schools of North America, Wele Waters, and Purium. So thanks to all of you for your support and uh, for making uh, all of this possible and uh, for helping to mobilize stewardship and sustainability in our communities all over. And uh, Thea, I'm just, I'm so excited to, to know that many of our Why on Earth community members are going to become members of the Biodynamic Association and hopefully join us at the conference in November. That's going to be a wonderful gathering. Absolutely. I'm excited about that too. It sounds like um, your members are doing wonderful things. It'll be great to, to have them connecting into the Biodynamic Association as well. Absolutely. I want to ask, you and I both share an understanding and, and I think a passion for how biodynamics can help bring healing and transformation to many of the challenges that we face. Health and nutrition, stress, anxiety, disconnection, and even climate change. And uh, I would love to hear from your perspective um, what that means and how specifically each of us as we engage with and help mobilize biodynamics are able to help address some of these incredible systemic challenges that we're facing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I feel like, you know, we, we all are aware of the challenges. And one of the things I love about biodynamics is it, it can contribute to many of them that I think are important. Um, so yeah, health and nutrition, biodynamic food is just abundantly flavorful and um, wonderful when you can get access to it. But if you can also be growing some food biodynamically, that's even better. I was just listening to a podcast with Dr. Zach Bush uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about how important it is for your microbiome to actually get out and 
expose yourself to different natural environments. And so just think about if you're stirring a biodynamic preparation, what's that doing for your microbiome right when you're stirring it? Um, forget about even getting to the point of eating the food um, and making a compost pile and just having that um, really direct connection with the land and with life. I think that can be so um, beneficial for our bodies in addition to um, the physical activity and breathing the air. And, um, and then I think also, you know, we're, we're learning similar to like soil sciences making so many advances. So is health and nutrition and um, our understanding of the nutritional qualities of food. Um, you know, Steiner talked about spiritualizing nutrition and the importance of having the, the life in our food so that we have the will to do the work that needs to be done in the world. And I, I find that to be so true that when I can eat biodynamic food, especially if I've grown it myself, that gives me more energy and, and more power to do the work that I feel called to do in the world. Um, so that that's really exciting to me. I think also, you know, there's such an epidemic of stress and anxiety and people just being disconnected. And that's, you know, one of the many reasons our theme of our conference this year is cultivating relationships. Um, because, you know, in, in the era of social media, we've become pretty antisocial in a lot of ways. And so, um, building a direct connection to any land that whether it's, you know, you get to live on land like I do, or whether it's the public park down the street from you, or, you know, it's a potted plant. Um, just having that connection to life and nurturing life, I think really nurtures our souls. Um, and getting together with people to do biodynamic practices is so wonderful. One of the things about the biodynamic preparations is you, like I mentioned before, you only need a tiny quantity of it. So for a lot of people, they make the preparations in community um, because you can easily share them with a bunch of different folks. And so that's a time to come together, to learn from each other, to talk about how things are going. Um, here in Northern California, there's a group that's been going for decades that makes the preparations together quarterly. Um, and I know there are folks in Colorado and many other folks, We um, that's another resource we have on our website is a listing of regional contexts for folks who are interested in connecting. Um, and, and then the climate change piece is so, it's so big. <laughs> and one of the things that there's just recently a UN report that came out about the importance of agroecology and contributing to solutions for climate change. It's just more and more we're seeing how um, one of the most effective, um, easy to do, implement all over the world ways to um, bring carbon, the carbon cycle into balance is through bringing it into the soil. And the composting we we're talking about, the use of the biodynamic preparations, that is increasing stable organic matter. And there's some really wonderful research that's starting to come out to really show that. It's something that I've been kind of connecting the dots on for a while. It's like, okay, well, this, this study shows this and this study shows this, but like there was just a study um, recently that Fetzer did in California where they actually looked at their conventional vineyards, their organic vineyards, and their biodynamic vineyards, and how much carbon was in each of them. And the organic had more than the conventional, and the biodynamic had more than the organic. Um, so we're, when we're using biodynamics, um, you know, the preparations in combination with all the other good practices that are part of building a healthy, self-sustaining farmer garden organism, we are harnessing the power of the plants in the soil to bring that carbon out of the atmosphere, bring it into the um, 
living realm, which benefits our farms and gardens in terms of fertility for our plants, in terms of water retention, um, and then it's also benefiting our climate. Absolutely beautiful. I mean, you know, this, I <laughs> can't help but think uh, toward the conclusion of uh, Why on Earth the book, uh, there, there's this passage that says something like, uh, we, we are asking so many questions and facing so many challenges, and it turns out the soil probably provides answers and solutions to virtually all of them. And it's biodynamics in particular, I think, that really unlocks the the potential and the uh, vibrancy, the vitality of what can happen in soil when it's uh, really healthy and, and really vitalized. And uh, just beautiful for, for uh, our audience to hear how you are connecting all of those dots. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty exciting in the face of, you know, catastrophic climate change to feel like there's something practical we can do every day that's, that's helping to bring more balance. Absolutely. You know, and this makes me think of something, and you're mentioning Fetzer actually kind of triggered the thought for me. Um, obviously, there's so much we can be doing in our own homes, our own gardens, our own neighborhoods, our own communities to grow at least some of our food and herbs. That said, for many of us, most of what we're consuming, we're purchasing. And those products are coming to us through supply chains and value chains that quite often reach all the way around the world. And what's really exciting to me, understanding that more and more uh, wine companies, vineyards are turning to biodynamics to help enhance the productivity, the soil health, and even the disease resistance and resilience of those vines is it may be a harbinger of what's to come in terms of the mainstreaming of uh, biodynamics in our food and beverage uh, products generally, much like what we saw with organics some 30, 40 years ago. Um, of course, you know, there are issues and challenges and, and some uh, interesting things to dive into and work on in, in making that comparison. Nonetheless, I think one of the greatest opportunities many of us have is to turn our consumer demand power, our, our dollars that we're spending toward the regenerative and in particular the biodynamic producers who are making more and more food and even fiber products available. And I'm, I'm curious from your perspective as the executive director of the Biodynamic Association, what are you, what are you seeing? Are you, are you seeing some trending? Are you seeing some opportunities that we as consumers can become more tuned into? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a really important point. I think it's it's definitely both and like whatever food we can grow ourselves, that's really great. And I think, um, you know, we're, we're at kind of an all time low in terms of how many people are growing food, and it would definitely be good to get up further. But but absolutely, most of us are not going to be growing all of our own food or even close to all of our own food. So and, and purchasing power is huge. And even just asking at wherever you shop for foods, do you have any biodynamic my products? Some, some places might and some places might not, but you're letting them know that that's something that you're interested in. So I think that's really simple thing you can do. Um, there are uh, a number of products that are available on the market. One of the things that um, differentiates biodynamic from other forms of agriculture in addition to everything we've talked about is there's an international standard for certification which has been around since 1928 um, which is called the Demeter standard. Um, so products um, that are grown biodynamically um, 
and, and processed in a way that's in accordance with biodynamic principles are labeled as Demeter certified biodynamic here in the United States. Um, there's a website that Demeter USA has called biodynamicfood.org, which is a directory of farms and processors that distribute biodynamic products. So um, it has a little bit of a mapping feature. Um, so that, that's one place to go if you're not sure where to find biodynamic products. Um, I think that there's certainly the wine industry has been kind of the leader in those packaged goods that are biodynamic, even though there's been direct to consumer sales of biodynamic produce and milk and meat and other things like that. Um, since the 1930s, when biodynamics was first brought to the US, a lot of that hasn't been broadly available in, in nationwide grocery stores. Um, we've had a partnership for a few years with the Independent Natural Food Retailers Association. So that's an association of, of family um, community owned um, grocery stores. And there, a lot of those stores are really interested in having more biodynamic products and, and educating their consumers about it. So um, those are great places to go for biodynamic products. And I think what, some of the conversations we've been having at our conferences and elsewhere is how do we um, continue to make more biodynamic food available to folks, but not go in the same direction that industrial organic has ended up going? Like, how do we keep the integrity and those relationships across the supply chain? Um, how do we innovate new ways um, to infuse just the whole model of how food is grown and distributed with the principles of biodynamics, which is, it's a big, exciting, juicy problem. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, yes. Having worked directly in local and organic food distribution here in Colorado, I know that it is, um, especially this time of year with the peaches, it can be a very juicy problem indeed. <laughs> right. <laughs> a lot of work to do and a lot of opportunity. And it's just, it's beautiful as we see more and more individuals, families, communities mobilizing around this knowledge, we really can push those market forces in a direction that helps create more stewardship, regeneration, and sustainability worldwide. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, there There are farmers that are interested in growing biodynamic. There are um, food companies who want to have biodynamic products. And if there are consumers asking for those things, that's going to help um, make that come into reality sooner. Yeah, beautiful. Well, Thea, I'm, I'm just, I'm so overjoyed that we have this opportunity to connect and have this conversation today and to be able to share it with our audience. And I'm, uh, I'm just wondering before we sign off for now, is there anything else you want to share or be sure to mention uh, to our audience? Well, I think for those who aren't already practicing biodynamics, I want to encourage folks to just try something out. It, it can be a little intimidating sometimes, like, oh, there's, you know, I got to get everything in line and I got to generate my own fertility and all this stuff and people get a little overwhelmed. But, you know, even just trying one thing can be um, really transformative and you don't have to do it all at once. So um, whether for you that's coming to a webinar, coming to the conference, or maybe um, participating in one of your um, biodynamic store days that you're doing with Why on Earth, um, just engaging with it a little bit and seeing that where it takes you. That's what I would really encourage folks to do is, is just find the one thing that you want to do and don't worry about what's going to come after that. That's great, Thea. And I, I, I will make a quick plug. I'm sure Artem will appreciate that I do this. We are about to roll out a community mobilization kit which basically provides folks a very easy kind of starting place to uh, get this sort of thing underway in their own neighborhoods communities what have you so there are lots of great resources including from the biodynamic association 
And um, if you're connected in with Why on Earth, you can uh, take advantage of that community mobilization kit as well. And um, yeah, I'm just I'm so happy we've been able to connect today. Uh, thank you for for all that you're doing, and uh, thank you for taking the time to visit with us. Well, absolutely. Thank you so much. It's been a wonderful conversation, and I I'm looking forward to connecting to some of the folks who hear this conversation and want to um, be part of our community. Absolutely. All right. Well, take care. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you. Bye bye. The Why on Earth Community Stewardship and Sustainability podcast series is hosted by Aaron William Perry, author, thought leader, and executive consultant. The podcast and video recordings are made possible by the generous support of people like you. To sign up as a daily, weekly, or monthly supporter, please visit whyonearth.org support. Support packages start at just $1 per month. The podcast series is also sponsored by several corporate and organization sponsors. You can get discounts on their products and services using the code WHYONEARTH, all one word with a Y. These sponsors are listed on the whyonearth.org backslash support page. If you found this particular podcast episode especially insightful, informative, or inspiring, please pass it on and share it with a friend whom you think will also enjoy it. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your support. And thank you for being a part of the Why on Earth community.